We're still in 2020. Like, we're still suffering. It's still sad in here. <laughs> we just, Has to be expected with the two sad friends. Do you think COVID will just like clock out? And just what, SARS will come back in? She'll be like, hey, be Karen. Like, taking hey. I don't know. Ludacris. I don't know. No. <laughs> I was just naming names in like an office. Apparently, I work with a ludicrous. That's her all right. Um, She's jumping way ahead into the future. Guys, it's still 2020 here, so... Live I'm, it up in 2021 for us. I'm crazy right now. I'm so sad. Hey, guys, it's Miranda. And it's Allie here. And uh, we're your two sad friends. As usual. And we're still sad in 2020. Living our best life in 2020. Oh, living our best life. Yep. Yeah. Um, we're wearing <laughs> matching scarves. We are. We're in comfy clothes. Um, I have not had my nap yet, so I'm very tired. I think it's just, that's just going to be the vibe. Yep. Very tired vibe today. So this is a very, like, wrap up, get cozy, get comfortable. Yeah. Have some hot chocolate. Very that. Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's champagne just, it up. <laughs> champagne it up. <laughs> Zoinks. So. Fun things that we have before a grim topic. So I'll let you go first. What am I bringing today? Well, mine is more about COVID news. Because we don't know if that's going to clock out yet in 2021. God, I hope she does. So... I was on Facebook, okay. and you know how like people share articles, and usually when it's COVID, it's like fear mongering articles. Uh-huh. But this one is um, pretty legit because I seen it on a few other sites, and I was looking around. We have like a new strand of COVID now in Ontario. It was found. I heard about that. Two it was cases. from a, it was like a strand that they found in Australia. Yeah, in the UK. Yeah, or in the UK. Yeah, yeah, and probably from Australia too. Yeah, and the ones I saw were UK, but it's here in Ontario now. That would make sense. And now people are panicking again because they're like, "Oh no, now we need two new vaccines." And, I mean, and I'm like, I think the same vaccine works. I don't know. Allegedly, I'm sure it does. Allegedly, right? Because we can't confirm or deny that. Okay, but from the articles I've seen by scientists, because they're telling no one to panic about it, I... but everyone is panicking, saying that COVID has like a twisted sister now. Listen. <laughs> Twisted Sisters. <laughs> that should have been our podcast name. Can we go back and change it right now? Not too sad friends. We're not too sad friends. We're Twisted Sisters. Yikes. Yeah, the only thing I know, vaccine or not, the only thing I know is that if I get COVID, I'll be on a ventilator. So I don't want any COVID or any new strands. Fair. Um, I just want the vaccine. Fair. Enough. I want to take the vaccine. I think Jeff gets the vaccine pretty soon, actually. Oh. Because he's in healthcare. Yeah, because he's in healthcare. I think they offer it or something eventually. Yeah, like I just want, I just want the vaccine. Like I have my, you know, my family's like, one specific family member is like, but you don't know the side effects. I said, just claim the lawsuit in ten years. Like, what's the big? I said, listen, it, even if I got into severe allergic reaction, which I hope I don't, knock on wood. Fine. That's very flimsy. Wood. It's You're still like, wood. It's still, still wood. <laughs> um, I just don't get it. I don't know if I'll get it, but I probably would. I'd let everyone else get it and see how they reacted, and then I'll get it. I, like, I'm just like, you know what, like, what, you know, I'm trying to, like, there was a TikTok that I saw, and he said that he would let a non-grander daddy 669 fuck him with the vaccine if it meant that we no longer had to live in a pandemic, and I said, I love that That's energy. That's a very good Bible verse. I said, yes. Yes. <laughs> we will go with that. I stand that. Maybe it's because I'm just lazy because I never get the flu shot, and now this is, like, another vaccine. I'm still waiting for my flu shot. Do you know I'm still waiting for my doctor to call and say that it's available. I thought you just I, go with public health. Oh, they probably don't have it anymore, right? 
Um, I don't they, know. Well, not that they don't have it, but they probably don't let... Because like, before, you just like lined what? up. Yeah. And they do it one well, by one. Well, my doctor... Because I was getting out of her office because I was getting my TB and all my other like routine right, checkups. Yeah. And For she school. Was, yeah. Like, you have to go through all those, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, not TB, but my... Uh, you have to get your TB done. I have to, but I'm getting it in second semester. Oh, okay. Not this first oh, semester. I got mine all in one shot, I think. But my tetanus. I had to get my tetanus shot. <sighs> and it hurt... Oh, yeah, that hurt. I think um, your arm was... You took, like, a nap. You were wondering if you had a reaction. You kept texting me. No, I thought I was really depressed. No, I thought... No, no, no. Oh, I, I thought I was... Time. No, I thought I was really depressed, and I, I came home... I just remember you texting me. I came... I remember, well, I came home, and I was like... Because I was going to go out to my grandfather's, and I was like, no, you know what? Just take me home. And I came home, and I fell asleep, and I woke up for a few hours after that, and I texted my teachers, and I said... I'm, like, really having a shit day. I had a really shitty doctor's appointment. I got some shit, shit, shit news. I'm not going to be in class tomorrow, but I'll make sure to have the assignments handed to you. And both of them said, you get another day's extension. You're not going to get doctor marks, but just take the night. Right, which is nice, yeah. And then when I was going over, like, the common, like, things that happen with the vaccine, I was like, oh, I was just really fucking tired. Yes. Like, I got really shitty news, and yes, that, that made me feel like shit, but that overall, that excessive tiredness was just from the vaccine. Oh, the so. tennis one is no joke. I had to get that one because mine expired in 2009. Five? It lasts ten years. You have to get it done every ten, every years. ten years. Yeah, mine expired in 2009. It, it's been 11 years? I'm just gambling. Watch 2020 be like, before you hit 2021, you're getting deadness, Allie. Before <laughs> on wood. Okay. <sighs> um, yes, that was my fun story about seeing, you know, more fear-mongering articles about COVID-19. Right. So what I'll bring to the table is I was actually going to talk about, like, something that I saw on TikTok because, like, where else am I? <laughs> However, over the last week, and I, okay, this week has just been getting really weird. Everywhere I'm going in the house, outside of my bedroom, mind you, but, like, especially the kitchen or the living room or the hallway, the bathroom, upstairs. So anyway, this, like, shadow man has built, like, a brick shit house, huge, stands there. And I'm, like, in the kitchen making something to eat because I'm always hungry. And we'll get on that later. It's emotional eating. We'll touch on that later. The holidays make it super triggering. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah, Yeah. we'll touch on that another day. However, I'm in the kitchen, and I'm making something to eat. And I look over to the... Your ice really said I want to be in the podcast. (laughs) And I look over to the stove, which is over to my left. I look over to the stove. And in my peripheral, which is even further to the left behind where my dad is on the couch, I'm like, oh, he's standing up. And I go to turn, I'm like, oh, he's not there. And I said, really? We're doing this right now? I just want to eat. So I go make my food and I go back to my room. And that's been happening like that just all week. Like, I'll yeah. be watching something on the TV. Like, I'll be standing in the hallway looking at the TV because it's on. And I think I saw my dad standing up. But surprise, it's not. He's laying on the couch. He's sleeping, facing the other way. And I go, really? <laughs> I'm just trying to watch TV. Okay, whatever, I'll go to my room. And then yesterday, my friend came over, and again, I'm in the kitchen making the rats their food, Right. and he's there again. And I was like, sir, right now? In front of my salad? (laughs) Really? Not in front of the salad. Not on my Minecraft Christian server. No, thank you. So I, like, went back to my room, and I was going to tell her. I was just, I was like, as I was walking down the hallway, I was going to tell her, oh my god, like, well, guess what I keep seeing? And as soon as I got into my room, I immediately forget everything washed away from my head do you think she'd be ready for that be like welcome to my house also emily i'm we sorry have, we have ghosts here now 110 percent when you were over was there was some look- paranormal activity happening yeah, yeah. so people aren't all bad all the time though 
And, like, I don't know if, like, listen, like I told you, and I'll tell you guys, if the shadow person wants to crawl up on my bed and do a little cuddle cuddle. Oh, yes. Yeah, we, consent is there for that. Consent is there. I'm, listen, <laughs> what, I'm going to be in the washroom in the middle of the night, and you're going to be like, Miranda, you're getting awfully close to me, and he's going to be like, oh, my God, I thought you were Miranda. <laughs> I'm going to have to do my consent piece now. No, he can make me coffee. Or they. Whatever the shadow person's term. Like. Right, because we don't know if they're yes. she, they, or them. you, or them. Yeah. Whichever pronoun, that's fair. If they would like to make me coffee. Absolutely. That would be good. Can never assume. Okay, so today's topic, what is okay, it? Okay, wait, I want to preface one more thing. Okay, That brought in my COVID thing? Yeah. Wear a damn mask, please. Okay, that's Holy it. fuck, just wear a mask. <laughs> like, I don't like wearing one. I don't like it. I break out in a rash on, like, because I work and I have to wear them all the time, yeah. so on, like, day... Three, four, like I get a rash all over my face. But, you know, I still, saving lives. Yeah, like, so my being uncomfortable, eh, it's really not more important than saving. And not dying. And I want to also just say that since I've worn a mask, I've gone a whole 365 days without one single cold, which oh, I've never done in years. Yeah, I don't think I've gotten sick yet either. I would also like to say that I have asthma, and I can wear a mask fine. Yep, I have asthma. I'm fat. I'm out of shape. I can wear a mask fine. So I don't know where these people come up with But these you know, excuses. a lot of it is, a lot of it is this. Well, it's uncomfortable to wear the mask. Well, did you think that maybe it's just uncomfortable because you're out of shape? Yeah. Because be. I, I know that it's a lot harder for me to breathe in a mask because I'm out of shape. But I'm still going to wear the damn mask. I don't think people really think of it like that. People are just, like, entitled. Fair. So I just tell people... It might be uncomfortable, but would you rather die? And then what do you think is going to hurt? What do you think is going to be more uncomfortable, a mask <laughs> or a ventilator? True, yeah. Because a ventilator isn't fun. No. So what are we talking about? Death and grieving. grieving. Yeah, those are fun. Or is it grieving and death? I mean, it's... Both? Yeah. You can say it either we way. We can say it either way. I don't know what way sounds better to me. It, I mean, it sounds great either way. <laughs> okay. You are doing okay. a good job. Oh, am I? Thank yes. you. Thank you're you very welcome. That. All right. You're very welcome. Death and grieving. I know mm. a little bit. Have you dealt with that? Um, slightly. Probably not as much as you. <laughs> you mean not as much as me? I should not have been laughing. Um, <laughs> part of my uh, grief and cycle is laughing at <laughs> Death makes me uncomfortable. I laugh. Yeah, and that's just how it goes. It's just, I, I mean. I, I would say I probably grieved life events more than people. Yeah. But, like, when I do grieve people, I stay in the denial phase for a long time, and then I just skip to acceptance. You've also grieved your health a lot. Yeah, that was the life experience. Oh, that was, was what you were practicing. Yeah. My bad. No, that's okay. Fair, yeah. I've grieved a lot more of loss of events and loss of members. Yeah. I've lost a lot of family in a short period of time. I was going to say, yours were consecutive. Yeah, for... Which makes it harder because you go through the stages, but then you bounce back up, And you right? kind of, because... like, you don't know really what to do. No, yeah. Right, because during that time there was all this other chaoticness that was kind of going that around that I never got to grieve properly until like years later. Until twenty twenty, yes. Twenty twenty said she really said make it count. Mental health, Miranda, you are gonna you're gonna you've fall and then it. you're gonna climb and then you're gonna keep climbing. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> I don't know if we want to dive into life experiences right away. Okay, so usually. Allie comes in with the analytical because she's really good at her research points and I provide a lot of the emotional resources and emotional perspective. However, Allie does have some emotional perspective that she's aware of. Whether or Um, not she's going to dive... insufficient. (laughs) Whether or not she's really going to dive into that is her own choice. I know that I have no issues and no... Quams. Quams? I don't know what that word is. Quams? I always think... Oh, wait. Is it quams? I don't know what the word is. I've been saying quams the whole time. Oh, my God. This is like the epitome shit. (laughs) 
fuck, I don't know that word. That's like how I, I don't used know to say qualms is clam. I don't know if that's the word though. Qualms? Qualms? Can you guys let us know? Let yeah, us know. Yeah, on someone Instagram. submit that to us. We don't know what we're saying. And we're gonna keep saying qualms and quams. <laughs> and our in our next week's what whoa. <laughs> It was really oh my god. Okay, um, back to the analytical. Right. So you have some analytical. You did some research about grieving. I did. I just pulled up a little bit of the grief cycle. Okay. Where'd you get that info from? I got it from BetterHelp.com. It talks a lot about like mental health uh, with around death and grieving. Okay. Um, I don't know if they have hotlines, but they tell you therapy aspects. Go ahead. Let's dive into the history a little bit before we um, divulge some personable things here. So, <laughs> the grief cycle um, was actually formally introduced in 1967 by Elizabeth Ross, a psychiatrist. Um, and it came up with five stages, and she wrote in a book. Okay, so what are the five stages? You, you don't know what the book is. I didn't even tell you what the book title was. Uh, Rude. Go, Elizabeth please. Ross worked really hard Elizabeth, on Elizabeth, I'm so sorry, baby. Please tell me about the name it of was, that book. <laughs> it was called On Death and Dying. Okay. On death and dying? Yeah, that was Okay, the book. so okay, okay. And ahead. then after the five stages, after that book, a few years later, it's seven stages now. More research. Yes. It's seven it's now? It's seven stages, yes. Oh, fuck, I didn't know that. Yeah, seven stages. Oh. They added more because more research came out about other parts that you go through, right? Oh, I did not know that. Well, now I get to share more information with you. <laughs> Thank God I'm analytical. Thank God. So the first stage is the shock and denial. Right. So the... Right off the bat. Just mm-hmm. feelings of shock, disbelief, and a lot of physical symptoms. So that's your nausea, not sleeping, mm-hmm. any of those effects. And then two is pain and guilt. Um, that's when the shock fades and pain just comes in like a hammer. Okay. Did you have something you wanted to say? No, I'm you look. Gonna... Oh. And this may even mean that you feel guilty about things that are illogical. And this is a very overwhelming stage, but they want you to acknowledge your feelings, which is easier said than done. Stage three is anger and bargaining, and that could be directed at yourself, others, the person who passed, or even a higher power. Not like some people blame God and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Four is depression, reflection, and loneliness. This is really realizing how the loss affected your life. Um, It's good to take personal time during this, but they warn you not to completely withdraw. And it's usually recommended that during this time you seek therapy. This would be the beneficial period. I'm sorry, what stage is this again? Stage four, the depression, reflection, and loneliness. Okay, depression. Okay, yes, that makes sense. Okay. Um, five is the upward turn. So this is slight changes in how you feel. You'll feel better, but you're not really going to realize it. Oh. It's like things are getting better, but it's minuscule. You're like, it doesn't hurt as bad as the other days. Yes. Okay. And then six is reconstruction and working through. This is taking control and tackling all of the aftermath. Oh. And then seven is finally acceptance. Which is, it's not a get over it kind of mentality. <laughs> it's more like you're actually dealing every dealing with everything and acknowledging the loss fully and you're working on creating a new normal. And on better help, it, this pertains more, they use it more for actual like death and grieving. Mm-hmm. But this cycle can go through other life events. Yeah. It's not just inclusive to death. Yeah. Because that is something that we had to do when COVID first came about. Yeah. A lot of people denied it. Exactly. A lot of a lot people, people still... That. Deny, deny it. it don't get me started on my fat <laughs> um but yeah i mean it, i think by september i came to terms with a new normal right and a little bit after that i still kind of went through because when it comes to grief and its cycles which i didn't know that there were two additional ones that was interesting when it comes to grief and its cycles it's crazy because you a lot of people are under the belief that you have to go through the cycles you have to go through each stage as they're given to you right in a chart, yes. and they're not no they're not you, you can, can miss one, you can go back and forth. You can go right to depression yeah. and the withdrawal. 
You can do it out of order. And you can get guilt where number four would be. Like, it's completely... It's depending on you. Right. And where we are at now with COVID, I'm pretty much accepting the new normal. Yes. You know, it's frustrating that we're in lockdown again. I'm glad that we're in lockdown at the same time. I'm not glad. It's more of like an annoyance, I would say. Yeah. This... I, I think I went into, like, it wasn't really denial when we f- when it first came about. I was more in the, oh, it's probably not that serious. I was just... And then everything started happening, and I'm like, oh, yikes. When it, when we first started getting information, when we first started getting the information, it was in March. Yeah. And I was like, it's just another flu, guys. Like, chill. Like, that's who I was. Yeah. It's like, it's not that serious. It's just another flu. Like, you'll be fine if you catch it. Don't worry. And then more numbers kept coming up. And it kept going up. And more and information. Up. And more symptoms. And, and the... What do you call it? The contagion rate is so much higher. Yeah. And I was like... And we were seeing it in our province more instead of just other countries. And it was starting to go to the... It's, I remember when I was at work and I was with my coworker and we were sitting there with our headphones on, cell phones out at the office, and usually we're not allowed to do that. We were watching Trudeau live. Oh, okay. And we were listening as he was, like, legitimately saying, we're shutting down, we're shutting down. Yes. And I remember her and I looking at each other. my whole family watched that in my brother's room with his TV. And we were like, oh, okay, it's getting serious. Yeah. And it was that moment when it hit me, and then the next day, I wasn't feeling too good, usually probably, like, a stress cold. And it was very, very, it was very mild. And it was, like, the only, because when I get sick, I get full-blown sick. Yes. Yeah. I get three weeks out. I have bronchitis. I'm on my puffers. I can't sleep. I'm up for like two weeks straight just coughing. And I had this like weird, just this weird little stuffy nose, but that was it. Nothing crazy. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go in. I'm just, I didn't care about my job. So I was like, oh, I need an excuse to not go in. I will. So I didn't go in. And I was going to call in the next day because I really fucking hated my job. And then they said, Miranda, can you come down to the office? We're going to give you your stuff. You're going to work from home. Work from home, yeah. A lot and of I said, doing that. oh my God, this is so fucking serious. Oh, that's what did it for you. That was what really hit it. The fact that my company was like no one at the office. Was ever. like, we don't want you at the office. I was like, because they really didn't give a shit about us. Yeah. So the fact that they were willing to not put us at risk made me go, if they're not wanting to put us at risk, it's a really serious shit yeah, going on. Yeah, something's because, happening. Because they were going to keep us there and just do screenings. And I said, Ben, I ain't doing it. Screenings are atrocious sometimes. Right. Especially when people lie on the questionnaire. But yeah, I would say with COVID, I probably went through... I pro- It was probably denial, and I went right to stage six and went to reconstruction. It was different. And like working with the aftermath, and then I'm, now I'm just accepting my fate with it. I think for you and I, our experiences were different in the sense that you were in a smaller city at the time. Yeah. Like where we are now. And I was living near Toronto. Yes. So we went from a population of like... I think here is like a hundred and seventy five thousand. Here? Yeah. It's no, we're not hundred and seventy five thousand. We're not? No, we're like eighty thousand. Oh. <laughs> what the f Okay, where where I was it was a hundred and seventy five thousand. Oh, okay. It was up and around there. But everyone around me was also like at a really high population. Toronto was like what in the millions? Yeah. And that was only like forty minutes away. And they're still not following regulations. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's where our experiences differ on uh, that yeah. grief on how we dealing with grieved because when i came here i immediately felt safer right yeah and i didn't want to leave and, I and don't you wanna, didn't and i didn't because i don't want to leave and i don't want to do this on a zoom call so you better not but grief is funny because sometimes you don't even realize that you're grieving it was last year and i came back in december so exactly a year ago i was here in the Sioux. and i guess is that when you just came to visit for a little bit yeah i came for right? two months 
Okay, yes. I took a leave of absence and I said, fuck y'all. That was the first time you that came back. That was the back. first time yeah. okay. uh, that I came back. I came here and my grandma was in and out of the hospital. She wasn't in hospice yet. Not yet. So, right? Okay. She went into hospice, if I'm correct, in just the beginning of the new year. Because okay. for majority of December, she was at the hospital. In I think and out. so. Because they thought she had like diverticulitis and all of this shit. They were doing all those tests and stuff. And my mom was like just a mess. Understandably, it was her mother. Yeah. We finally get her into hospice. And I don't know what it was that happened. But there was an option for us to spend an additional two more weeks in the suit. And I told my mom, take it. And didn't the doctors recommend that to you guys too? Because they weren't sure how it would go. Because she was really teetering at that time, wasn't she? She was. So I told my mom... Um, we have an option to stay here for two more weeks and you have no idea if we're never, we're, we may never get this opportunity again. Yeah. And she kept saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, she looks so healthy. The you denial know, she's face. And I said, the thing, the fact of it, the fact of it is, is that she can go from one end of the spectrum to the next. Like the quick. We had to explain it because my grandmother had, um, COPD, which is, I think it's chronic oxygen pulmonary disease. I think is what it is. Um, and if we did it in a chart, is that every time she would spike up as in she was doing well and she would decline, her next spike up would never reach the same the, level the as same. her previous spike up. Right. Meaning that every time she went down and back up, she was still on a steady decline. Yeah. And I was trying to explain to my mom, you're grieving the whole situation. You're grieving the fact that you can't be back home. You're grieving the fact that this is a, a, the holiday time and you didn't get to spend it doing holiday stuff. Right. This is... You know, all those moments that you had with your mom are now being, you know, we're in a hospice. You're grieving all these situations. And she's like, but my mom's not dead. I said, grieve. But she, it's like grieving how it used to be. Yes. Right? Because when a lot of people, when you think of grief, you think of just the death. And what, come, what comes yeah. with death? Grief. It's the before, the middle, it's, and the after. It's literally anything. Any type of loss, Yeah, you can grieve. So I was explaining that to her. And... As me and Natasha, she was a grievance counselor at hospice, we were going back and forth and talking, and we were both pretty much telling my mom the same, same thing. thing. You're just grieving the situations. You're just grieving what you had. And it kind of helped her open her eyes up and say, oh, like, oh, this is grief. And she didn't get it for a while, and I get it. Uh, and that's when, I guess that's just kind of like when she was like, oh, this is what grief feels like. And I, and you know, and now she's really, you know, we lost her, you know, we lost her in June, so 2020 has really just been about grief. Right, For my yes. mom, it's really been a whole thing of grief in and around her own mother. Yeah. And tackling those emotions, I think, is... Tackling those emotions. And, and she still goes through and she'll still say things like, I don't get it because the other day I was feeling fine. Why does today hurt so bad? And I said, because grief isn't consistent like yeah. that. Grief is consistent in the way that you'll never get rid of it. Grief is going to be your new friend now, unfortunately. It's a friend you didn't ask for, but it's a friend you're going to have. So you get to that new normal where you're comfortable with it. Very comfortable. And you're still going to revisit with grief. Yeah. But I was explaining, because it was an explanation that I had, that I've, that I've seen and visualized and understood better, is how people describe that grief is like a big balloon in a box. And some days it just overinflates and it fills up the whole box and you're being squished in this box. And then other days, grief kind of goes down into this little balloon. Just this little like handheld balloon, and you're like, I can, I can, I can manage, yeah, right. And that's, you never, you, you don't get over things, and I, I hate when people say that. Just get over it. No, you're not supposed to get over it. These are traumatic events, and some some things that you grieve may not be traumatic events, but regardless of the fact, you don't just get over them. You work with them, because the way that you're feeling, what you felt, is obviously serving a purpose to you. Right. Yes. It's valid. I see grief, and this may just be my own 
personal ideology and maybe it was something that a lot of people don't understand or don't appreciate or just do not agree with. But in one sense, I'm so grateful to feel grief. In what way? Explain. So, in the event of losing my grandmother, I obviously I grieve that death. And I grieve, I know, you know, I grieve losing her because she was a, overall grandma was a pretty cool person. Yeah, she was pretty lit. She was pretty cool. Um, there was a lot of things I didn't appreciate, but she was a pretty cool person. That's when you go into the reflection stage. However, the, the pain that I felt after losing her, I would have never felt had I never known her. Right, yeah. And I got to know her. Yeah. And I got to, I was blessed to have someone who defended me, who stuck up for me, who, you know, took my safety into consideration. Consideration, yeah. I was blessed to have that. So while grief sucks, it still gave me a, it still gave me something that I would never have had. It's like a perspective. Right. Right after you look on it. If I never got to grieve over things in life, then I may not have ever had the experiences that I had. Yeah. So while grief sucks, it's also a good thing. For me, because I was able to have something and I'm not able and I, I can go through life with a new perspective and say that I don't want to go without ever appreciating this thing again. Right. Because of how easy it is to lose it. It's like you learn a lot from it. So I, although grief makes me uncomfortable and I don't want to say it makes me feel good or bad because I don't believe that emotions are anything other than like I don't think emotions are good or bad, but it made me have a better understanding that nothing in life is just there forever and... A lot of people don't like grief, and I understand yeah. that, but I'm grateful for grief. I may not appreciate how it makes me feel. The cycle I, of it all. I appre- But I appreciate what it does. Yeah. So that's how I feel about grief. However. With me? Do you, want, do you have anything to add oh, to that? Oh, no, I thought you pointed to me and be like, no, my just... experience and my feelings about grief are not as elaborate as yours. That's okay. It doesn't have to be elaborate. <laughs> well, no, not elaborate is in, in a bad way. Elaborate in uh, you have a very... Um, I would call a very stable relationship with grief. And uh, me and grief are not friends. Like, I don't acknowledge grief. I, I just, you know, skip through the stages and do what I have to do. Don't do what I do. <laughs> Why do you do that? I, I don't know, actually. That's a great question. Probably should see someone about that. But am I going to? Don't do what I do, people. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know, actually. That's a great question. I go to like stage like one and it's like denial and then I deny it and then at some point I go, it's kind of lame to keep denying it and then I just accept it and then I do like the working on the aftermath. I think the one thing that I probably went through more stages with was probably when I got sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then I put, I skipped like to and from. So I would say what one, what year was it? 2016? No. 17? I was going away to school. It was... When I was first diagnosed. It was way before that. Um, it was... because oh, I think I got my surgery in 2016. It was, like, 2014, because it was before... 2014? Yeah, because it was... Um, it was... No, it was, I think oh, it was 2015, I think, because I was going to college, think, and it was right before I met you-know-who. Right, and I think I got my surgery in 2016. In yeah. the middle of school. Yes. So, 2015. Okay. Um, I was diagnosed with stage 3 thyroid cancer. I got a biopsy on my birthday, actually. And the numbing cream doesn't work. They lie to you. <laughs> so if anyone has to go get a biopsy, biopsy done. Um, don't trust them. They wipe the cream off too fast. It doesn't work. So I got diagnosed with that. And then I went away to school. And so I think I was busy. So like it didn't really matter to me. Mm-hmm. And, t- and then I had my surgery. And then when they told me how bad my actual thyroid was. And how like the tumors like could have spread to my like lungs and chest. Like how it was there. Then you kind of go through like all the stages 
of like, oh shit, like I could die. Mm-hmm. Like this is like a death, death thing. Yeah. And then you kind of like grieve your life a little bit. But um, I think I still had a lot going on. So I didn't, I still didn't sit with all that for right. a while. I went back to school. And then anytime I had like little health problems, I'd be like, oh yes, death. This is another tumor. This is it. I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> you can laugh because I laugh right now because it'll still happen to me. I'll have a migraine. And I'll be like, it's in my brain. Like, <laughs> oh like my literally, God. like once you have it, I think that's just the thing now. Like I'll always have a little bit of like health anxiety. A little bit of trauma. Or that. I like to call it health anxiety. It's cuter. <laughs> health anxiety stars heart eye emojis. <laughs> exactly. And you're we like, trauma. <laughs> we don't romanticize things. Okay, well, it helps me. Okay? <laughs> do you want to want to double in a cigarette? I do. Can I actually have my vape? <laughs> this is a lot for me to divulge. Sweet Jesus, mother of God. Okay. Anyway. um, I didn't go through anger. No? No, I didn't go through anger. I didn't, like, blame anyone. I didn't... I was like... I literally, when they told me it was stage three, I'm like, oh, that sounds like my luck. And my surgeon... <laughs> like, my doctors and surgeons, like, I don't know if they thought, like, that was me dealing with it. But, like, they were telling me all these facts. Be like, it was rotten. Like, it was dead. How do you notice? And I'd be like, oh, sounds like me. <laughs> I'd, be like, I'd be like, peace signs, just my genetics. <laughs> And they'd be like, well, okay, I guess you're handling that well. And I'd be like, sweat. <laughs> I'd be like, sure. Um, but no, I didn't go through anger. What about your uh, family? I would say you're more your parents. Well, like, they were upset. But, like, I don't, I think they were probably grieving too, but I don't know what cycles they went through. I remember when we were talking about uh, the diagnosis, like, years later after you had told yeah. me. Yeah, this is where you're going to throw me under the bus. I know exactly what you're going to say. Not at all. Actually, not at all. Not at all what you think I'm going to say. And I remember, because you and I, we always made jokes about it, and that's just yeah, what I we do. Yeah, I still do. You have a picture of me with my tumor in my neck that no one caught. Yeah. And we called it the frog picture. The frog picture. And every time you pull it up, I go, oh, there's my tumor in all its glory. It really was, like... Oh, yeah, she was there. Whoa. Yeah. And they said goiter, and you said, uh, no. <laughs> they said a couple other things before they someone... Said, they said polycystic ovarian <laughs> syndrome. <laughs> And then I got those checked, and they're like, oh, they're just flaky. Your ovaries are fine. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> they're like, you know what? Let's go up here. Let's just keep looking. No, it was when you, we were what? talking about it, and you had said, um, I remember being in the room with my parents, and we found out that it was as serious as it was. Right. And you said, it wasn't until I realized that my parents were crying. That I got upset? That you realized. This, exact, this is what I was saying, and then you said it, you weren't going to say this. Oh, I thought you were going to say about how you told me at, at dinner, and I was pissed at you. Oh, no. I thought that's what you were going to say. No. Um, yes, but how you... how It was at that moment that you realized, oh, this is really just a lot more serious than I anticipated. Well, I didn't think... Because I thought everyone has my form of coping. Like, yeah. that we're all just going to joke about it, like, clank glasses and, like, mm-hmm. you know have a ball but I, I I'm learning that that's not normal no it was at that <laughs> moment that I realized how serious it was yeah because you played it off really well and oh, I yeah. ate and I ate that shit up well it wasn't because I trust that- no no but I trusted in the fact that if Allie was so calm and so collective yeah. and she made a joke about everything yeah. I never saw you go through um I never saw you go through something so serious ever right that was the first time so I didn't know what to expect so whatever you gave to me is what I just took in yes exactly. and it wasn't until after that that I went Oh shit! Like, she could have died. Yeah, I could have died. Um, and like I went through that process, and I think I accepted my fate. I was like, you know what? I'll do the radiation. I'll do whatever. If I die, I die. But at least I'll do it. Like you know what I mean? Like that was my mentality. I was I was more like trucking. 
<laughs> you drink your water. Um, no, but I had a good support system, so it wasn't that bad. But they make you do those stupid questionnaires when you go to the oncology clinic. They're like, do you need group therapy support? Do you, do you, are you feeling anxious? Do you have depression? I'm like, I have cancer. What the fuck do you think I have? What do you think I need? <laughs> like, and they, and you, you have to fill it out and then you have to hand it and then your doctor like looks to the checklist and like, do you think I ever answered those truthfully? Of course not. Mm, never. Do you need group therapy? And you're like, fuck no. Me and Miranda's are the personalities. We got this. <laughs> we can do this. We can handle this. You're like, fuck. No. Um, I think the only time that I was actually really upset through the whole thing was the second time I got radiation because I got really sick. Yeah. I think that was the first time that I cried. Oh. Like fully. But it was the lemons. And I hate lemons to this day because you, you take iodine radiation and they make you drink and eat lemons for days. Right. And they gave me my lemons late. So I panicked. And I ate like six tubs of lemons. And then I was like acid diarrhea and throwing up everywhere and like i was it was so gross and i remember going into the bathroom and seeing my reflection and going just kill me now and then i walk out and my mom's there and she's like how are you doing and i'm like ah! <laughs> and i think that's when like three years of cancer just cried out of me and then yeah. my dad's like are you okay do you want to sell like do you want <laughs> and my mom's like joe joe she's upset go <laughs> Bless your parents. I fucking I love them. They were troopers. But, like, I'm, like, I'm fine. But. Okay. I don't go back to the stages. Like, if anything happens to me, I go through, like, the aftermath part of working through it. Like, if I get a malignant pain, I'm like, oh, sweet death. And I'm like, wait, we can process this. Is what I do now. Right. But. Because humor is your main coping mechanism. It is. Yeah. But I learned that that's not appropriate for everyone. It's not. Yeah. Because <laughs> me telling you in the restaurant like that's how I thought would like that's how I would prefer news be told and god forbid if something ever happened where I had to I didn't tell you it was stage three absolutely not you just told me it was thyroid cancer I told you you know what my plan was I'm like I'm gonna tell everyone and small people the bare minimum in case I die yeah that was literally my thing I'm gonna tell Miranda just a sliver so if anything happens to me she's not completely out of the blue but she doesn't know everything I I don't like other people to suffer so I thought it wasn't your responsibility how other people felt. Um, It's not, but when it's people in my circle, it's different. It's unreal, because I'm, like, completely the other way around. Not in that, like, I want everyone to suffer, but in that, like, if I'm going through it, I'm like, no, you guys need to know what's happening. Which is... I reach out, is what I'm trying to say. Yes, which is great. I reach out. I think, because I don't think I told, like, a lot of people. I think I told you, my immediate family, and that was... Yeah. That was it. And then like, people would see me with my surgery mark after, and they'd be like, what the fuck happened to you? And I'd be like, oh, funny story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And so um, through that experience, uh, you can see how I deal with grief. I just bounce. Yeah. I go through denial, and then I work through the aftermath and acceptance. And even now, that's what I do, like aftermath. Yeah. And reconstruction. And yeah, I'm like, you okay, accept my fate. You open up to a very select people. And, I, and I, it's, it's mainly Jeff yourself and then like the odd um your parents yeah but even me you're not like super and I, that's fine no, i get I, no, I, I would open up to you i just uh d- don't like to yes yeah, so no it's... it doesn't bother me and i don't i don't get like any fomo about it i just go this is just how she is yeah i i only tell people when it's uh severe yeah like if i got cancer again i'd tell you over dinner but <laughs> You know, you, is that you telling me you don't want it that way? Yeah, I would much prefer you you tell me in the privacy. In no, oh. in person, but in the privacy of our own homes. 
not at dinner before. I had to cry and then eat. You didn't cry. You I were, wasn't allowed. I was no, waiting on my. I was waiting on my. You meal. went into shock. It was great. You were grieving for me before I even realized the stages. You I, went into shock. I went into. I I literally had to play it off on just how you were on you were giving it to me. I remember you texting me after and you were like, "So, uh, like, are you dying? Like, what's the stitch?" And I went, "I don't know." You just sent me an emoji, and I was like, that's the vibe. Oh my I, God. like, I throw it off. I'm like... When you had to go for the second time, and we can talk more about this in the, yeah. in the next episode, but when you had to go the second time, that's when I had a lot of worry. Oh, did you? Yeah. Um, I think because mine was so severe, they said that that was normal. It's, it was already expected. Yeah. The, for, for me to have, have another, a second one. Yeah. Um, if I ever have to get a third one, if I have to die over the holidays again, I might go lay in traffic. Fair. Um, oh, yeah, because it was what last Christmas. It was in the Chris. It was around Christmas time. The first time I do it, it was my first. It Valentine's was Valentine's. Day. <laughs> That's right. And the second one was over Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. No, it was the other. No, I had two holidays. What the was first the- one was Thanksgiving, and the second one was Valentine's because it was you and Jeff's first Valentine's together. Uh, oh, thank you. Yes. That's what it was. And I, was and I remember really gross food. And I think he did something for did? you before Valentine's. I grieved the holidays that I missed. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, that's your first Valentine's with someone. Yeah. That's a special moment. Yeah, I would say I grew that one more. Yeah. But I worked on the aftermath. It was more like anger, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And then... And if you ever had to do it a third time... Oh, my God. But you never know. That's the fun thing with life, right? Now, how about you and your stages? Because you go through them more. Yeah, I experience... I don't. I experience grief a lot, actually. I experience it a lot because I recognize what it is. Yeah. It's a great skill to have. It's amazing. I love it. Um, recommend it 10 out of 10. I should probably do that. Stephanie and told you to stage through cancer, and I go, oh. And you go, oh, <laughs> no. Nice. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I had to grieve situations that were, I want to say a lot of these situations weren't really anyone's fault. They were just the result of the cards that were dealt to everyone. And uh, I was able to choose to um, run from it or run with it. And at the end of the day, I finally decided to run with it after I tried to run from it. Yes, and you ran pretty far, too. Ooh, right? You kept going and going. So growing up as a kid, my mom was super sick. And she was conked out zombie because of all the medication they had her on. And my dad was working two jobs, so he was always busy. We had our, our own... We had our restaurant, which he worked tirelessly, and then he was also working a call center. Right. So, like, this man was just... Overworked. Overworked, overwhelmed, doing everything that he could just to keep, like, us above, right? Right. And my mom was super, super sick. So, growing up, I didn't... I didn't, like, I never... I didn't see my dad a lot because he was always working. And I sure shit don't ever hold that against him because he was doing what he had to do to keep us afloat. Yeah. And my mom was just so sick and she was sleepwalking all the time and she would go, like... On average, it was two to three days without sleeping. She can go anywhere up to five days without sleeping. But she was never truly sleeping for like more than three hours a night. So when she would go into when she would go into those uh, sleepwalking nights, I would get up and have to put her back to bed because she would fall and hurt herself. And right. only I think twice she really really hurt herself. One time she fell it was in the middle of the day. And I was napping in my old room. She was napping in this room. And my brother was in university. She fell off the bed and she bashed the bridge of her nose on the bar. And she had, to, she had to go get stitches. Oh, wow. So she hurt herself really bad. Yeah. A lot of times she would fall. She would cry. She didn't know where she was. She was super delusional. Um, and that was, of course, a result of no sleep and um, her medication, which she went from having a car accident to 15 months later being diagnosed with what they thought was um, postpartum. Pardon? 
to them being diagnosed with bipolar. So she was on like just heavy, heavy medication at that time. This is 25 years ago, it was heavy meds. So I had to always put her to bed and, um, and it was often. And I would come home and sometimes she would just be conked out or she'd be wired. So I always had to see, it was like I never really knew who she was because of the result of her medication. It's not her fault. Did it, it pose some trauma? Yes. As it would, yeah. As it would, as a little kid growing up That's and seeing that. a lot of responsibility for a little kid. And it's not that it was forced upon me, it's that there was really, it was and just kind of like an obligation. Right. Because no one else was going to do it, no one was there. And I really don't know where my brother was for half of this shit. He may have also been getting up in the middle of the night and putting her to bed, I really don't know. Right, yeah. I just remember what I went through. And then, it was like that for... I think a while, because when I met 15, you... at least 15 years. Because I think when I met you, the first couple times I went over, you, your mom was always in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Like, she would never come out. And that's when we were living at my Nona's, so my brother yeah. was already gone and moved away at this point. Yeah. Right, she was always in her room. Um, but she would... The last time that it happened, we were out living down south, so she was doing it a bit um, when I was, like, 17, 18, 19. Oh, really? Uh, definitely 17 and 18. Um, she was, we were at the old apartment and she was, she had a broom and she was banging it downstairs saying like, this is my, this is my zone, like get out of my area or something like that. And I had to take the broom from her hand and put her back to bed. And I had to take her, put her in bed and tuck her in. And this is what I did growing up. Right. As a kid. It was just a habit. It was just a habit. So I grew up as mothering everybody. Yeah. Because that's just what I did. That sucked. I'm just not, you know. That's not fair. It's not fair that a kid had to do that. No. That's the reality of the situation. It wasn't my fault and it wasn't my mother's. Trust me, if my mother had a choice, she would never have been like, oh, you know what? She would have never chose to do that or have that life. I'm not gonna, I don't hold that against her. Do I wish that we had better resources in place and that my dad didn't have to work two jobs to keep us afloat and that he could have been home more because of that? Right. And that we had the resources that we do today that we... It's just like you're like grieving what could have been. Right. Like the other options that could have... Uh... Like, it frustrates me to know him because I was forced to be in a position like that, that she was forced to be in a position like that, that my dad was forced to be in a position like that. That everyone was just dealing with circumstances it was, that no one could control. So I couldn't control it. And that was one thing where I felt like I never had to accept. Like, or not that I never had to accept, but that I never was allowed to grieve it. Because it wasn't anyone's fault. It was just the luck of the draw. And it wasn't until a counselor, my God, I don't know how, how many years ago, but the counselor said, it doesn't matter if it was their if it was anyone's fault or not, you still felt a certain way and you're allowed right, to yeah, feel that way. you still experienced that. And you're allowed to go through the emotions and you're allowed to grieve yeah. that you, as a kid, had to take care of your parents in a way that a lot of other kids didn't have to do that. And I'd go to school and I'd always be tired. Well, I was tired because my sleep was always disrupted. Right. I never, I always, whatever, because I never got to go to bed early or stay asleep because I was up because I would hear my mom crying because she fell on the floor. I had to get up, put her into bed. So as a kid, I always had that worry. What if something's wrong with her? What if she's hurt? I would go to school and I'd worry that she would have fallen when she's at home. And her illness um, resulted in her missing out on a lot of stuff. Like, we did a lot together growing up. And that's awesome. It's great. But a lot of my memory as a childhood, or a lot of my childhood memories, I don't remember what we did. I know that we... There's like blank spots, kind of? We did a few things like crafts. We went to this like craft store and we did these like crafting things and I remember we did that for for I I would probably say a few months we may have did it longer but I really don't remember I know that we did a few things I made this really cool dragon painted a dragon for my brother I painted this teddy bear and I remember one more thing and that was it so we did some stuff together but when it came to these like things that were really important to me my parents weren't there 
because my dad was working and my mom was sick. And I remember the one that hit the hardest, and I think it was my very first memory um, when I was like a little kid. And we did this, I think it was like this Christmas play or something, and it was at my old school. I think I was in senior kindergarten. So like elementary? Yeah, like before grade one. Okay. So I was like four. four, I was like four or five. And I was doing this play, and I was getting a ride home from one of my classmates' parents because I knew that my parents were there. But seeing every kid with their parent. Right. And I was just like, I'm not going to cry one second. (laughs) It sucks, though. It does. That would suck. That'd be hard. Because your peers, like, mean everything, right, too, right? And you see how their families are. Mine... To, like, lean off the pressure off of you for a little bit so you can breathe. When my nono was alive, he used to go to my cousin's events because my aunt and her husband divorced. Right. And her husband would not come and travel down for the events. And for that, that was them hard too, right? Because all the fathers are there at Father's Day. But everyone would be like, why is this old man here? And he'd be like, that's my no-no. Aww. (laughs) But it's hard because, like, people ask questions. You're yeah. young. You don't really know how to... No. Right? But you just know something's different. Oh, my God, yeah. And you just know that something's just, like, you're, like, mm, why is it one's parent? Like, you get it. But, but as you, a four- and five-year-old, you don't get it. Exactly. But then years later, you go, oh. Like, I get it now. Yeah. But, like, I'm... Oh, Look, we're, <sighs> she's grieving right now because she just realized this as she was talking. She did this to me last year. Remember we had a conversation about My death aunt. and grieving about your aunt. And it's actually something that I'm going to be touching up on pretty soon. And you started crying on me then, too, because I asked you point blank. I'm like, did you even grieve her? And you're like, hold the fucking I phone, like, Allie. No, I did not. <laughs> it's only episode two and I'm already crying. The most frustrating thing about it is that I know that a lot of people hold the phone. I just had a... Oh, she had an epiphany. I had a... An Her epitome. <laughs> it's epiphany. <laughs> This is my journey, and I shouldn't have to explain why it felt bad for me to go through that. Yes. And I don't have to defend my parents any more than I've already defended them. Letting go of the guilt. I've already made the. I've already made it clear that I don't blame them. Right. Yes. But I'm allowed to not blame them and still feel bad for the situation and still feel bad for myself. Yes, your feelings are valid. Exactly. I realized three days ago, so this is like a very fresh, very fresh feeling that the only way that I was going to heal from my past is to heal that inner child who's like, bitch, you know, we're still in here and we're still upset. And I'm like, shh, shh, There's still shh, stuff shh, that we have to deal with in here. I don't want to hear it, bitch. And like this four-year-old is like, I'm not okay. <laughs> and I'm like, shh, I don't want to hear it. We have literally so much to do right now. And she's like, it would go so much smoother if you just talked to me. <laughs> if you just acknowledge my existence for like three seconds. So I said, okay, why does Christmas suck so much for me? Well, I had to grieve the fact that I no longer get to do the Christmas that I used to do. Right. Not just COVID, but ever since all that family member died and our family kind of split apart. Right. We had to create a new normal. Mm-hmm. And that pisses me off. You don't like the new normal? No. I don't like the new normal because I just wish. Oh, here we go. This yeah. is going to be such a hard episode to get through. <laughs> it's okay. <sighs> this is the point of it. Death and grieving has all of these feelings and they need to be acknowledged. We're going to have to put a trigger warning that I'm going to cry. <laughs> And I wish we could videotape this so that we could see that I was dancing through the tears. <laughs> so, so annoying. I shouldn't be laughing. No, it's okay because it makes me feel less like weird that I'm crying. A crying is normal. It's a part of the process and letting those emotions out. Because if you hold it in, you're further ignoring that inner child. Oh, I'm Ollie. I come in with all the analytical. <laughs> I'm trying to reason with you. <sighs> 
this is like one big giant bowl of like things that I grieve that are all intertwined. She's together. just picking them from the pot. <laughs> it's literally like you know what this one. Let's bring that one today. <laughs> it's literally like my. I feel so bad for anyone listening because you're gonna hear me being so jumbled in my thoughts, but it's all just connected. It's like yeah, there's like it's like a web. Oh my god, it's like literally just like you pull, you pull like the the childhood grief, and then you realize that my aunt Rita's in there. <laughs> And, and then, then you, that's connected to it. And then you pull it out and you realize my parents' divorce is in there. in there. And then you pull and you realize that I repressed most of grade 10 because of And then of you pull everything. another one and emotional eating comes <laughs> Emotional eating. She's really just holding the glue together. Exactly. And then somewhere along the lines, borderline personality disorder is just laughing in the distance. And she's just like, oh, I brought you all here today. And I go, <laughs> oh my God, you really did. <laughs> you literally got every single thing. <sighs> okay. So what I'm realizing here now is that you're more still in the guilt. I am a lot in the guilt and I'm a lot in the denial with my inner child. Right. And in the... I don't think... Well, pain. Oh, yeah. 110%. I would say denial for some of the aspects. Just the inner child. With the inner child, 100%. Um, I would say guilt heavily on many different things. A lot of it sometimes is illogical. It's funny because I have to... And I know that my guilt is such a big part of like just who I am, which... uh, It's annoying. (laughs) But I have to, like, pr- try to save everyone's feelings, and I'm so fucking tired, because I just want to get out how I'm feeling without having the need to protect everyone else's feelings. That's not your responsibility. I feel like it is, so I can make a clearer picture for the audience. <laughs> no. I'm, like, this, this journey... You're responsible for your own feelings, not everyone else's. I just want to touch back on episode 100. I want to see if I can let go of that shit. And I was going to say, you're probably in the reflection phase a little bit. Mm. The four. I never leave reflection. <laughs> She's just in a constant state of reflection. I constantly reflect. Which is pretty good because, like, you could go through, a, like, the process of, like, grieving and dealing with it. And then you're very good on the reflection and it kind of, like, it gives you extra skill sets to further. Yeah. Like, I can take, I can look back and be like, ah, oh, I understand why everything happened. Yes. I don't understand why this happened. And that's what pisses me off because there is no rhyme or reason. And I tell people all the time. Sometimes things just suck. Yes. And you're allowed to go through the, the, the feelings and you're allowed to go through the emotions. But you cannot allow it to let you become an asshole and you cannot allow it to take over your life and that is a privileged thing i understand i'm not i'm not i'm not gonna explain that (laughs) i'm not explaining that this christmas sucked because i didn't get to spend the christmas that i like to spend because the last time i truly enjoyed a christmas like really just enjoyed it like holiday cheer because i set it up in my head a lot better than it's gonna be I had to get off of social media around the Christmas around Christmas times because seeing how everyone celebrates uh, pisses me off. Right. Okay. And it pisses me off because like, oh, you get that and I don't. Okay. Well, unfortunately, Miranda, that sucks. And unfortunately, you have to make the best of a good, like, you know, of a bad situation. And unfortunately, that is your responsibility, even though it's not fair. It's not. That's life. It's hard because life does not care about you. No. You're, like, I'm allowed to go through the, through the emotions. I'm allowed to feel the shit that I feel. Yeah. And I love seeing people celebrate the holidays. I love to see how people get so happy. And I love it just as much as I hate it. Yeah. One day, it won't be like that. No, one day you'll have a better relationship with it. One day, it'll be better. So I had to stop trying to feel something for Christmas. And instead, just allow Christmas to be felt. Right. And I had to just say, it's okay if it's not magical and it's okay if it's not spectacular and it's okay if it's just a day that's all right one day it won't be like that but it's okay if it is right now so i had to come to terms with that just two days ago 
because I said I was tired of always having this expectation that Christmas is going to be this, you know, magical, spectacular Hallmark movie. And I had to say, bitch, you need to be a little so more realistic. part of black and white thinking a little bit? Yeah, 110%. Yeah. I think that has to do with a lot of that black and white thinking and the fact that I like to live in my head because it's a lot nicer in there. Has more roses and... Everything is pretty. And the real world ain't like that. Unfortunately not. No. And that's where mindfulness comes in. So I had to grieve that part of my childhood. Then I lost my Aunt Rita, which was a death way out of the, wow, completely left field. Like she got sick with, I think it was West Nile flu or H1N1. It was one of those like really was scary flu. I think it was swine flu because my dad caught it. Right. And, I, and it's crazy because my dad caught it and I was there taking care of him. I remember this was the week that he quit smoking. Oh, okay. And he quit cold turkey. So while he was going through um, withdrawals. withdrawals, he was also going through the swine flu. And his mentality was all or nothing. Which I was like, you know, for something like that, that's pretty metal. <laughs> Fuck. He couldn't breathe anyway, so why not just quit smoking? Yeah, true. Right, because he wanted to do it. And he has quit. So I had to go through, you know, in 2009, in November, we lost my aunt. And that was like, nobody was prepared. Not right. one person. And then for the last... Four months after that, so during this time, my Nono was already living at home because he had Alzheimer's, right? So he didn't even, when we brought him to the funeral, he didn't even know, he kept like, why are we here? Why are we here? And we, you know, we were like, you know, grandpa or like, dad, you know, um, Auntie Rita died, you know, your daughter. And oh my God, he was a mess. And he had to go through that pain over, over and, and over. over. So we, re- and that was our first time ever dealing with a he- like a big death with him. And we were like, whoa, we did not handle this appropriately with him. We didn't know what to do. And nobody told us, right? right. So while living at my nonna's, we we moved in. I think we had already moved in there, um, but definitely four months we were still living there. And my nonna died, and she died of a broken heart because she lost her youngest daughter, and she yeah. had already lost her oldest son. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I right. forgot he was the oldest. So she lost him, and then she lost her youngest daughter, and it was just my dad and my aunt left, and my mom. And my nonna was like, that's it. My husband's in a, in a home. I was going to say, because I don't think I meant no, no. No. I meant no, no, though. Yeah. And so she ended up passing away of a broken heart in March. I believe it was March 29th. And then from March until the summer of 2010, we lost about, I don't know, six more people. And it was like cousins. You know how they say death usually comes in threes? It was literally like any any one of us, like anyone, we always like said like any, so any one of us that would go into a hospital, which just wasn't coming out. Which is where my fear of going into the hospital, hospital? came from. Ah, okay. Right? Got you. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go in. I'm never going to come out. Or when my dad had to go in, I was like, oh my God, he's never going to come out. So during six months of losing eight people, I was like, zoinks. And that's hard because you don't know who to grieve first. And during that. It was all still happening. It was all happening. And the hardest death, the hardest two deaths was my aunt and my Nona. That was the hardest two deaths. There was no grieving time, no processing time. No, you had to do something else. And then during that time. My mother was in and out of the house. She was in and out of the city because, like, you know, she was seeing someone and she was having an affair. And I didn't know. So during that time, my mom was, you know, saying that she was going to her sister's when um, she wasn't. And during that... sister's? Yeah, she has a sister. Oh, does she? Yeah, she has a sister and a brother. I know she has a brother. I didn't know if she had a sister. No, no, no. This is not the brother you know. These are biological. Oh, okay. Yes, I've never met them at all. So she was going to see who her now boyfriend is. And... That was a great time. During this time, me and my dad... My dad's losing everyone. Yeah. And then during the time after my Nona dies, we said we're going to sell the house. And it was during that time that my mom said, um, like, I'm having an affair and I'm leaving the city. This is what she tells me. 
I don't remember any of it. I have. I don't remember her leaving. You remember I, her saying that though. I don't remember her saying that. I don't remember her telling me that she said you have a choice. Did she tell you that now? She she we touched on the topic a few months ago. Oh. Because okay. I was telling her, I said I have no memory. She apparently she she said that she told me that you can either stay with dad or you can stay with me and well I chose my dad but I don't remember her telling me any of that and she mm-hmm. says no I did and I said well we call that a repressed memory. So Some I, trauma and everything I, that you're going on. Everything that was going on. I said, really, Your that Your brain timing? was like, I need to protect myself yep. now. So my brain literally shut everything off. And yep. the only thing that I truly remember about living at my Nona's was the first time that you came to visit, the cellar doors rattling, and that very scary paranormal activity night yep. that me and two other friends had gone through. And then the one time that you almost died. Right. Yes. That, that's literally all the memory that I really have at that house because everything else was just repressed. Right. Which is now coming out now. Yes. Will I ever truly have that unlocked memory where I remember her telling me? Maybe not. I don't really care to find out right now because the damage is done. Yes, it's already there, set in stone. So I had to grieve all of that while going to a school that I fucking hated. While helping your family members grieve. While helping You're not dealing with your own grief. No, not at all. It was really fucked up. Eloquently put. Like, there's no other way to put it. There's no other nice way to kind of go around it. It was. That's fucked up. The timing was shit. Yep. Everything was shit. That wasn't fucking fair. It wasn't. All of that was not fair. Life isn't fair. Unfortunately. So what did I do? I uh, took it out on everyone else around me. I was an emotional hurricane that was set on being... I was set on a path of destruction because how fucking dare the world do that to me? I want to say that you lived anger. Like that stage in the grief, you lived it. Like I thought I had anger (laughs) issues. I thought that I had a temper. But you took that cake and you... I like went with it. It was snapped. amazing. I snapped on everyone. Anything. Anyone it that tried to stand like, up to me. Any mm-hmm. teacher that looked me the wrong way. Any principal. Like, fuck you and fuck everyone else. I did not care. It was a lot of overreactions. Oh. I would say. And sometimes you just go looking to be angry. I had, which noth- is I had nothing else. I didn't know what else, right? I had yeah. the worst... I had the most undesirable coping mechanism. I think in some ways that like that stage is one of the easiest ones to fall into because all like yeah. emotions are hard, but anger like you can feel it. Yes. Right. Like that's it's like almost like a sense of control. Yes. Like I can be angry and I can do something. Like I can like direct <laughs> it. You can't direct sadness onto other people as like no. you can with anger. Right. Right. Newsflash: You have no control when you allow anger to overcome you like that. You are literally in lack of control, which is so counterintuitive to the thought process. But it feels like you are because you're because you're like I created this anger when really thrashing it out. Anger is just enveloping you, and you're allowing it to take over. That was around the time you popped up my shoulder. Oh, it was you dislocated my shoulder. I did with a dollar and a binder. You beat me senseless outside of a classroom while everyone stared and no one wanted to help me. Uh, oh yeah, there was, and I think it's because you gave me a G one book, and you yeah you took the G one book because you and were I returned reading it, it to the library to the library because you told me to return the books to the library. See, I don't remember that. I yeah. could have. I yeah, probably you did. You looked at me and you said, "Ali, you can borrow this. I got it from the library." Oh wow! And I said, "Oh okay, thanks. I'll just return it for you when I'm done." And you said, "Good." And then two fucking weeks later, like a long ass time later, like Ali, whatever happened to that book? And I'm like. I returned it, and I just remember, and I want to remind you that I'm, like, built, like, I'm pretty sturdy, but she caught me so off guard, like, this bitch I knocked not the laugh. shit out of me. I just remember, like, 
It was like a, a switch. Like, Miranda went, oh, not today, bitch. And I was like, what? With I a remember, Dollarama binder. I remember turning to get something out of my locker, and before I closed it, I was fucking hit. With, right what? in the shoulder. And, and I'm fucking... telling you, I went down because I was not prepared. Ooh. And it was like all, like, she was beating me for anything that anything happened. And I just remember, like, 13 hits. And I'm just, like, curdled, and everyone's like, <gasps> Evan was horrified. And then Miranda just stops and she goes, we gotta go get that book. And she starts walking to the library. And I remember picking myself up, looking at Miranda and going, ah, we're gonna be doing this in therapy later. And sure enough, I waited. Cause I knew in that moment not to tackle your anger. I was like, if I do this, she's gonna hit someone else and they're not gonna be able to handle it like me. To be fair, at any point you could have turned around and annihilated me. I know I could have, but I did You, you could have turned around and you could have beat me black and blue. Because you are so fucking strong. I chose not to, though, because I knew that you had different things going on than me, okay? Because, like, wow, I'm so surprised. I'm so I could have. I, 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 I could have had a. I, you could have. I could give you a concussion. Yes, I was just going to say. You could have given me but a I was concussion. like, no, you know what? She's struggling. I didn't think you realized you, like, beat me. Like, you stopped. And I think in your mind, you thought you, like, hit me once. But, like, I'm pretty sure there's probably a dent somewhere here and there. And then I, I remember, remember it was right in front of the art class. Yeah. And it was right. And I just. Right against the. Yeah, right against the locker, and I just kept beating you right until you got down to the floor. Yeah, because I had no other option. It was either keep going lower and she'll get tired, or she's gonna smack someone else. And then I remember, and in my head, as you stomped to the library, I'm like, "We have class next, and she's gonna sit for like 15 minutes, and then she's gonna apologize to me," which is exactly what happened. You sat in front of me, I sat behind you, and 15, not even probably 15 minutes later in class, you turn around bawling your fucking eyes. We gotta go to counseling. You said, no, you didn't even say that. You said, we're going to Leanne. And I said, who is the counselor? And I said, okay, wait, hold up. We could talk about here. And you're like, no, I just beat you up. We have to. And you're like sobbing and you stood up and you're like, teacher, we got to go. Yeah. And you're like a mess. And I'm like, I, I guess I'm going because like she's pulling me out of here. And then we saw Leanne for counseling. And it was funny listening to you tell Leanne the story because Leanne's looking at me and I'm like, this bitch is the one that hit me. Like, <laughs> She's the one who drug me here. I was going to talk to her after class. <laughs> I was going to ask her what's going on at home. <laughs> I just want to state that for the record. I've never to this day ever laid my hands on someone again. Like No, that, I ever. think subconsciously you knew that I would just let you. Yeah, because like you and I, we've, we've like wrestled before. We fought each other before. But that, like if you ever That did, wasn't even wrestling. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm saying <laughs> that like after that you and I have like wrestled before. Yeah. But that has never happened again. No, I think because that was an, like an awakening thing for you. Because I was your friend. With no right? one else either. I just want to preface with no one else either. I've never done that ever. After that I think and was, before that. And it's probably just an awakening for you. You went, oh, should I beat up one of my good friends? Yeah. I think there was just one of those. It was I'll also... I'll never get your face turning on in, in like class though because your makeup was sweating off. But it was, no, it was also the realization, why did I do that? Why did okay. I feel that was an appropriate outlet? But I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to get out. I never. Yeah. Ha- I never understood how to get out my words, my thoughts, my. Under- I never understood that. In my head, I knew this shit was gonna happen. I'm like, we're gonna go to the portable. We're gonna do our dumb French class, and she's gonna sit across from me in front of me, and like within seconds, in she's gonna apologize, and I'm. And in my head, I'm like, I'm gonna talk to her after. I did not anticipate your emotional response. <laughs> Which and is big. Makeup down, sobbing, whole class, and I don't like displaying my emotion in front of anyone. So now everyone's looking at us, and you're just in your whole zone. And I'm like, oh god, let's just go. Let's just go. And then finally, you're like pulling me off the desk, and you're like we're going, Miss Mac Williams. Like fuck this class. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, Miss Mac. I'll be right back. And then for the next like two months, I went to 
counseling things with you. Yeah. That actually began my cycle into counseling. Did it? Yes. Okay. Leanne single-handedly. That's good. Leanne's a good person. She is. She's a great. She is. I like Sometimes her. you just hand me a slip, by the way. Do you remember that? Like, sometimes you'd walk into class and you just throw me into Leanne's office. I would. I would. Because I would go to Leanne and I'd be like, yeah, can we get one uh, for me and Allie? <laughs> and sometimes Leanne would be looking at me like, so what, what do you need to talk about, Allie? And I'd be like, Miranda, what do we need to talk about? <laughs> I'm like, no, she's just my support. She's my support. She's just here. <laughs> so that we can go home after, like when we do our sleepovers and we do our raven rant night. I want to preface, though, that any, anyone who saw me beat up, no one really asked me, like, after that if I was okay. And the odd person after that would look at us together and be like, <laughs> you guys are friends? Yeah. Like, what's happening? Like, didn't she just beat you up? And I'd be like, it was only a binder. <laughs> it was, like, literally. And I would still tell this. I would tell that story to people at work, and they'd be like, and I'd be like, no, no, no. We're fine now. <laughs> we worked through that. But I was like, no, like, I just want to preface. I was a piece of shit growing up. Oh, that's the cycle you were in through all those stages. You just I had didn't, the I didn't know. I did not know how to handle yeah. everything that just went on. And I said, let me take it Let's out. Let's take it on, everyone. And yeah. I did. And I really did. I manipulated people yeah. uh, to go against someone. I've, I, I, I ruined a six-month portion of them, of their school year. Yeah. Like, I, all, I did not know. I did not know how to handle it. And I said... I'm you just targeted t- other people to try to make yourself feel better. I did. And I when was, it didn't work, you'd be like, let's try something meaner this time. Yep. I was let's so, so toxic. I was such in a toxic cycle. But I was re- really just in that one area of grief, and I didn't know what to do around grief. Yeah. Now, I can approach a situation completely differently. This time, she won't beat me up with a binder. <laughs> this time, I'll probably just go through the emotions and journal them. Why am I yeah. feeling them? I don't... Do I get those, like, anger outbursts? Yes. Are they, like, a minuscule of what they used to be? Yes. Do I know how to handle them a lot better? Yes. I, handle I would them, say so. I handle them more in the form of I'm going to eat, which is still toxic. Still, yeah. no. Still undesirable. I'm going to say it's a huge improvement. And now it's, I can go from that to I the next. I would say it's an improvement. Because before you were doing a lot of different things in, like, a cocktail method. My, yeah. well, when I would go through those very heavy periods of grief... I ended up getting to a point, I moved away, and I was living with my mom, and I was going through a whole new form of grief. I was really going through it, and I said, the only way that I know how to get through the situations that I was going through at the time was drinking and self-harm. And I said, you know what sounds like a good idea? Taking this razor blade and going to town on my arms and my legs. And that was my coping mechanism. And that was my coping mechanism from 2015, definitely, until 2018 was the last time that I relapsed. And um, sometimes that urge is so bad that I have to get a tattoo. Yeah. Because that was one of the easiest ways for me to push it away. Now, when I feel those moments, I have to remind myself that these are just moments and they don't last forever. So that was my coping mechanism. And over the last two years, I've had to change my coping mechanism. I would say without all of that happening, though, even that anger period, you wouldn't have gotten to where you are today. No. Even though the journey probably wasn't, like, you know, the most appealing Ooh, to not yourself. At all. I, <laughs> I always like to remind people that what I did wasn't okay. Right. It was, it was an action. It's good to admit that, though, because you could be <laughs> denying that, too, still. Right? I think this is why, for two, I think what I had done, I think, is two reasons why I advocate for what I advocate. One, that... Just because bad things happen in life to you doesn't give you the okay to be a bad person. Right. I advocate that because I lived that, and I didn't like it. Two... Didn't make you feel good, did didn't it? Didn't make you feel good. Two, no matter what someone goes through, no matter the circumstances and the experiences, you have 
the power to change that. You can become self-determined. No matter how hard it is. No matter how hard it is, and you can change that around. That anyone, despite what they had done, you can come out a different person. But it comes with utilizing. So that's a testimony to you because you ran away from help. All the time. You, like, ran, like, bounty hunter ran. And it still found you. And you'd be like, let me run back in the other direction. (laughs) Someone else would be like, what about over this? And you'd be like, we're still running. Always running. Always exhausted. When I would go through those periods of grief, I used really, really undesirable coping mechanisms. Like, um, trying to... Because I went through losing so many people in my life, I was afraid of losing people in my life. Yeah. I thought the only way to keep people in my life, like, romantic partners was to put up because in my head sex meant love right um it doesn't i know that now i knew that just recently that i had that that was a mentality that i was utilizing but those were i you know i thought that in order for me to do better i had to punish myself where that's where self-harming came in yeah which is another form of control which inherently is no control yeah um that in order to keep people around like partners that i had to put out um that it was okay what people said and did did to me just to keep them, like, you know, just allow them to stay. So they didn't leave. Those were all things that were a result of me losing a lot. Also your abandonment issues. I have have severe abandonment issues. From your inner child that she's recently working on. And it's funny. We'll get into that. I'm I'm going to save that for a whole other... Because that's a whole other tangent that I can go off on. Um, But there is a lot that I had to grieve when I left a undesirable relationship when I left that really icky relationship yeah. I grieved two years I grieved the time that I had wasted and you grieved the parts of yourself that you lost I did I came to the understanding um did I lose two years of my life no not at all if anything I was able to gain perspective did it suck that we were two people who were so toxic for each other that we projected a lot of our emotions and feelings yes it was a shitty relationship, but boy, did I have a new lease on, new lease on life the second It gave I you a whirlwind of perspectives, I think. It did. It helped me realize that really at the end of the day that no matter what um, loss I went through, I could come out 10 times, uh, 10 times stronger. And it built my resilience uh, level up like you wouldn't believe because I, I had nothing else to lose. Right. I was so far under rock bottom that, I don't know it's cliche, but really the only way I had left to go was up. So I had to focus on healing, but I certainly ran away from it. A few times more. And it wasn't until I was in the other city and a few months had passed by and I said, oh boy, you really can't run from it. And I was so tired of running that I decided to just sit with it. Because like when it finally, when it finally catches up to you, it's like all the problems you've been running from at once. Everything. And since 2018 to this moment right now. Everything is still, it's literally in a nice line and one problem and the next comes because that's it. And I have a feeling that the next five years is going to be focused primarily on what I'm doing for healing and coping and how I'm handling grief. Yes. And how I'm handling the death. I had to grieve my Aunt Rita. She passed away in 2009 and it was at the end of 2019, so exactly 10 years and a month later. Or we're in your basement. That you said... I don't think you grieved her death. Did you grieve her death? And I burst into tears and I said... Uh, Mind no. you, I probably should have said it a little bit nicer. I don't think you should have. I think it was fine. I think the approach was fine because it was dead on. It was direct. Was it? Okay. It was dead on. It, it, it worked fine for me. It may not work fine for everyone, but it certainly worked fine for me because it got no the man. message a point. Uh, it got the message across. Um, when 
growing up when I when we lost her I had to hear and I still have to hear oh my god you look just you look so much like her I was so mad that everyone compared me to her because I didn't see her for who she was I saw her for the things that I saw myself and hated fat and and died alone that's all I saw her as someone who was fucking fat and fucking died alone and I held on to that anger Till last year. To, well, definitely till 2018. I would definitely say that. And then I started being a little more like, um, it felt nice because I was reminding family members of someone that they loved so dearly. And then I started getting mad because I said, I'm Miranda and I don't want to be compared to someone else. Right. Especially yes. finding out that you have a personality disorder. disorder yeah. And all it did was just make my personality sort of flare up. And of course I talked to people about that in my family and they were super receptive to it and they understand and sometimes to this day, they'll, you know, it'll hit, it'll completely just catch them off guard and they think that they see Rita. And now I can take it as a gift because now I see her for who she really was as a person and not just what I was projecting her onto the image of. Right. You're projecting that anger onto... Right. Because my biggest fear is staying fat and dying alone, which we will touch on another topic. Podcast number 13. Podcast number 13. <laughs> next week! <laughs> on next week. Nope. Anyway, um, so that was something that I had to go through the emotions of grief with. And you're finally able to do that when you were in this period in your life where everything was like not quieter, but you didn't have like those bang bang events. Yeah. Like constantly one after it was I would say that twenty twenty was a was not a lot of people's year. Yeah. It wasn't. And it but in the same sense it may have been in terms of what you were trying to grow in. Twenty twenty for me was probably my biggest emotional support uh, support year. Because I was forced to face a lot of alone time. And I was, I was so sick and tired of staying in that one area of, of grief where I was just uh, ignoring everything and I was in denial of everything right. that I said, okay, you can either continue to stay this way and suffer or just go through the emotions. And that's literally when I started understanding who I was. And I had to get rid of my Instagram because my Instagram was all about trying to find that attention from, from not just men but people because I felt like that was validating who I was when all it was really doing was making me feel more and more invalidated. Right. And I had to start saying, how can you feel validated? You have to start validating yourself. So I deleted it. And I re- completely deleted it. That entire Instagram is now off the record completely. All the photos that are there. Because you still have two, right? But now you just kept the one? Um, or did you make that one after? No, the, the one finding. that I currently have now, yeah. the, like Finding Miranda, I've had her for a few years, um, but I didn't update her as often. Oh, okay. And then I started updating her a little bit more, and then I said, let's just take this. And instead of... What I used to do is I used to create new and new profiles because I was so tired of my past. Yes. Because I ran from it. You'd, like, change it up... I would every time something happened, you'd be like, "Okay, I need everything new. I need everything take, new. Take a new Facebook, it. a new Instagram, a yeah. new something." And I had to stop that because all I was doing was just making it worse. So I had, so I said, "Let me take this old Instagram that I already have up and running that I'm not using so often, and let me just run with it." And since I've kind of revived this old Instagram back to life, which really didn't have a lot of content, but once I revived this old Instagram back to life, I used it as like this form of journaling and coping and understanding and reflecting and i all i've done this year i think is just reflect and heal and understand why it why my behaviors are what my behaviors are and how i really analyzing them and then once i got into school into social work or in social service work um i was forced to write like write paper and paper upon paper of what i was feeling and how i can relate my experiences to the book and 
all that did was create a new sense of uh, mindfulness and it created a new sense of awareness and it made me go like, oh shit, I really am making progress. So now I'm. Sometimes it's hard because you don't notice the progress right away. No, because it doesn't feel like how you think it's gonna feel. It's not a hallmark moment where you're like, aha! It's you just kind of. Sometimes you notice it in like the little experiences. Right. Right. And you can take that time to look back and say, oh, I'm no longer grieving the same way or I'm no longer in that stage. Right. I'm accepting it. On the upward turn. On the upward turn. So now when it comes to that inner child, things that I've realized that I had to heal with, I had to understand that in order to move forward, I had to sit with that little child yes. and like, you know, that young Miranda and say, look, it wasn't fair what you went through. It's not fair and it's not okay, but you're gonna be okay because look at where you are today. You're okay now and to allow that little girl to allow herself to take a step back and just breathe and say... Okay, this journey that's ahead of me, oh, she's not going to be fun. She ain't going to be easy, and she sure shit ain't pretty. Acknowledging all those feelings. But she will be worth it one day. Yeah. The journey to get there will be long and atrocious. And the journey is still, it's still an uphill battle, but... It shall have its rewards in the end. Yes, exactly. And that's all you can do, right? And I think a big part of grieving is, is making sure that those around you who are grieving know that it's ugly. And that it's okay that it's ugly. I think a lot of people hide their grief just so... It's almost like... I don't want to say there's a stigmatization on grief. But I would say because it makes the person grieving uncomfortable to grieve. Mm -hmm. And then I think the projection is that everyone else is going to be uncomfortable. It's it's important to understand that, like, grief doesn't look the same for everyone. Yeah. For me, grief was acting out and it was putting out and it was, you know, setting unrealistic expectations about myself and other people. and, And for you, it was a little bit of denial and a little bit of humor and a little bit of just oh shit bitch this is it yeah and for some people it's completely different and grief grieving just doesn't look fun for anyone no i think that's why it's hard for people to like admit that they're grieving yeah or like to come to terms with it as fast like, i think that's why a lot of people are in denial for so long because they don't understand no one wants to acknowledge no all those icky feelings right or they think that what they're doing is in grief yeah. And they think it's just a result of something else when it's uh, something else when, when in reality, grief has so many different faces. Yeah. And it, you know, it's just that really do be just how she is. Grief has seven cycles and it can throw whatever one at you first. Yeah. It doesn't, you can, doesn't care. It doesn't care how you're feeling. You can accept it today and be in denial tomorrow. Yeah. It really is just It really like that. depends on your journey. Yeah. And some days you... I think it's important to understand that you should never just get over grief and that you may never stop grieving. No. You yeah. just may not grieve as hard. You it's almost like you're going to be there's going to be a sense of like comfort in your emotions. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be as icky to you. You're not like a new normal because like it's I don't want to really call it normal, but you're going to be comfortable. Yeah, a new it's a new You're going to be able to look back on that grief and still learn from it. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to acknowledge everything and then still think of some good times out of that grief that you never thought was actually there. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a, a lot of that. Yeah. And it's really important to utilize that mindfulness which can make a lot of people uncomfortable to do that, but it's yeah. important to do because it can allow you it can allow you to recognize behaviors and patterns that you may not otherwise have understood or even know that were there yeah you know some people think that they're a really positive person when in reality they're an extremely negative person and they wouldn't know that because they they don't understand that perception (laughs) it's all about that acknowledgement right that's Mm -hmm. one of the hardest parts is acknowledging everything so you can actually like move forward it's that self-awareness yeah for that could be a whole podcast self-awareness and if you're like me self-awareness comes easy it's the doing the thing that's the hardest step that's the worst have fun (laughs) 
It's not fun. No, self-awareness is hard because then you have to admit to things. No one likes to admit. Right? It's not fun no. having to hear that I beat the shit out of Allie when we were 16. <laughs> 15, 16? Uh, I'd say 15. 15. I'd say 15. When we were 15. Yeah. But did it happen? Yeah. Can I ignore it? Certainly cannot. No, but did we move forward? Yeah. Yes. I'm just going to say don't beat your friends. Acknowledge your emotions. Don't do what I did. Yeah, don't pop out on anyone's shoulders. No, it could have ended so horribly that I would have... She could have killed me. Well, you wouldn't have killed me, but she would have you. certainly told me where to go and how to get there with her fists and her and her legs. That bitch can <laughs> power... Legs. She can... Oh, she can power kick. Let me tell you I know, something. I flew you off the bed that one time. Ooh, that was a good time. That was a good time. <laughs> if there's anything that I learned from grief, it's just letting it happen, I would say. Yeah. Let it happen. Don't try to stop it. Just, just like, kind of just roll with it. Just roll with it and go through the stages it takes you. Yeah, I would say pretty much the same. I learned that while grief is annoying and uncomfortable and at the same time kind of a great thing to experience, you can't control, you can't control the path you walk, but you can control how you walk it. Proverbs 410. <laughs> and as a young 15 to 20 i did not walk that path the way that i would have walked it today right at 25 i would walk that path i walk that path a hell of a lot better than i do yes i it's a reminder you shouldn't feel guilty for not walking it before because when you're young it's harder right oh i I feel guilty i'm I'm not even gonna but you shouldn't have to feel guilty because it's not like you knew about all the resources oh that's fair it's not like but do i wish that i never beat you up yep i do i hundred percent i hold that guilt but i don't hold you guilty Well, one of us doesn't, so that's good. But I hold. There's a lot of guilt that I hold, and I I'm trying to understand that. Like I don't need to hold on to it, and that. I think you just. Well, this is advice. Don't follow the advice. What I'm trying to say is acknowledge it, feel it, but you don't have to hold on to it. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I understand. You're like, this is what happened. You can understand that these are the experiences that you went through and why you went through it. But now you don't have to go through those experiences anymore, so you don't have to feel that pain anymore. Exactly. Like, you beat me over the binder, like, ten years ago now. Yep. When you had a lot going on. Yep. It wasn't okay that I did that. It wasn't okay. But the predeterminants, what I'm trying to say is, it happened. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. There was a lot of prerequisites as to why it happened. Yep. Does it make it right? No. But could I say there was more important things going on? Yes. And I would rather you focus on dealing the more important things than you still holding on to guilt from being with a binder because, bitch, I'm here, it's 10 years later. Like, we have a podcast now, does it fucking matter? <laughs> like, you know? That's fair. I don't I don't hold on to the guilt as significantly as, significantly as I did prior. Okay, good. Because I'm like, if it really was that big of an issue today, we wouldn't be here today. Doing exactly. What we do today. Yeah. I know how you are, and if you really were that perturbed, you wouldn't be here. Exactly. But now so. we have two sad friends. Now we have so. two sad friends. So we kind of have to go through it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, guys, this has been fun. I'm so sorry for the emotional roller coaster that I may have put you on. If you're crying, hey, cry with me. You can, you know, cry with me on my Instagram at underscore finding Miranda. Or you can cry with us at our Instagram at too hot. Too, too hot, hot friends. Woo! <laughs> 2020. Oh, 2020. We're hot now. We're 20... hot, sad friends. Woohoo! 2021. Hmm, she's hot. Um, no, but you can find us at our Instagram at, at Two Sad Friends Podcast. Thank you for joining us on our last 2020 podcast. Um, it can only go up from here. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's not going to age well. 
I guess we'll see. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>